Now they're going after Bitcoin? Oh man, no, 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 no. Don't, uh, don't believe it for a moment. Care, oh, forgot to do my makeup. Hang on, here we go again. <sighs> there we go, all done. No, no, it's great that, um, it's great that China is threatening to stop uh, mining Bitcoin because then everyone's going to say, oh, well, then it's not so bad because China can't take over Bitcoin or, you know, all the fantasies that people have. There's going to be a hard fork with the communists. Nip slip. That's right. And you can tell it's a little cool in the studio because I'm poking like a seagull here. So, um, no, it's, it's fantastic because then what will happen is if China bans this kind of stuff, and they've already banned it in Outer Mongolia, I think it is, where there's a lot of coal-fired stuff, but China's just constantly screwing with Bitcoin, and they're doing that to drive the price down so they can buy the dip, you understand, right? Everybody knows that fiat currency is doomed. And you see, China, okay, China's got, got two major problems at the moment. Number one, massive depopulation. Do you remember I did a show just the other day where I was talking about how it's a whole lot easier to stop something than it is to start something, i.e. the relationship that I had with the woman when I was in my early 20s. And so China had for a couple of decades a one-child policy, and now they're finding that it's a whole lot easier, you see, to get people to stop having big families than it is to start them having big families again, and they're facing not quite as bad as Japan, but a massive population drop-off. And that's really hard to reverse, right? In, in the same way that it's going to be really hard to get people to stop being frightened of the invisible COVID ghosts in the air. Not that I'm saying COVID is not real, but the level of fear proportional to the risk for relatively healthy people who are under 70. Uh, the level of fear is, to me at least, disproportionate to the actual risk. And it's kind of weird to me. i just tell you this, just a little philosophical thing here. I mean, life has to have a certain quality if it's to be worth living. And this terror that people are facing through I can't understand it from a, it kind of makes sense, rational standpoint. Like, I can't understand it. Because if you're that terrified, what is the point of living? Like, what is the point of, of oh, I'm going to stay holed up in my little condo and, and terrified of, of the vents for, you know, 18 months or something. And it's like, what, what are you holding on to here, this kind of life? Better to live on your feet than die on your knees. No, better to live on your, yeah, live on your feet than die on your knees. Like, look, I get it. You know, for some people, it's a real risk factor. But if you're not obese and you don't have a whole bunch of comorbidities and you're not old, you're really not at risk much, right? And my God, what are you, what are you holding on to? And I think it's because people haven't lived. The, the people most afraid to die are the people who have not yet lived. Those are the people who are just absolutely terrified of dying. I am not frightened of dying. Any time will do. What to go sometime, there's no reason for it. It is, um, why would you be so absolutely terrified? And, and at what point is, is this life of terror not worth living anymore? The people who've really tasted deep of the cup of life are less paranoid about setting it down at the end of all things. But the people who have lived small and lived mean and lived petty and lived nothing and surrounded themselves with people who suck the joy juice out of their life like vampires with a drilling straw, my God, those people drive me crazy. They're so terrified to live. And they transform that into a terror of COVID. 
Oh, crazy. You can't even get ice cream without some Karen bitching at me. Well, so now here in Canada, they say, well, you can't get anything normal until we get to 70% vaccinations. And that's so that we all start snapping at each other. Well, what do you mean you don't have the vaccine? You've got to get the vaccine so we can get back to normal. So you can get that slave on slave joust violence that they love to watch us fight amongst ourselves. So they're setting this crazy standard. Oh, you're 70%. No reference to herd immunity. No reference to antibodies from existing infections. No reference to any of it. And now, now there seems to be some evidence that what messes you up is the spike protein. It's the spike protein that messes you up, not even so much the, the virus. And that's why there's neurological stuff sometimes, because it goes through the brain-blood barrier, right? But if it's a spike protein, boy, it seemed to be, if, I'm, if I remember my <laughs> readings of this correctly, and correct me if I'm astray, I think there's quite a few spike proteins in the vaccine, <laughs> so... You could be injecting yourself with things that make you go, eh. I don't know. So anyway, one thing with China is uh, the, the depopulation. And that stuff is pretty catastrophic. And they, so that's number one. Number two is they've got a lot of money, like Japan does, in U.S. treasuries. And the U.S. dollar is circling the drain. It's circling the drain. So where do you think China's going to go? Well, they're going to try and create their own bullshit government coin. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> government coins. Because I'd just love to have you be able to track me a little bit more. <laughs> anyway, so let's see here. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, it turns out, uh, funny story, it turns out that uh, all of our constitutional protections in Canada are worth about as much as a soap bubble in prison. Kind of walked through those ones, like uh, the big giant uh, jello guy, right? So, yeah, crazy. They'd make a Fed coin and regulate Bitcoin out of existence. <sighs> they are terrified because of, of lack of consciousness, no matter what everybody... Everybody's going to die one day, absolutely. And and now, like, I'm only 55 this year. Whoa, there's some reflections. Uh, I, I, sorry for those who don't know. I'm talking about my glasses, not my life. But, yeah, I'm 55, so I'm way past the midway point. What's the best argument to use against getting a jab? Well, do people know that they're part of an experiment that's not going to finish till next year? Do people know that the vaccine manufacturers are completely immune from liability? Do they know that some of the vaccine manufacturers have never produced a successful vaccine and all of them have been engaged in terrifying lawsuits for pretty malevolent things? <sighs> the woman in my family harassing me to get the jab. And even calling it a jab... It's so innocuous, you know, like it's just just a little pinprick. You'll hear no more. <laughs> just a little pinprick. You'll feel no more. Ah! <laughs> but you may feel a little sick. Can you stand up? Stand up. I do believe it's working. Good. That'll keep you going for the show. Come on, it's time to go. Your employer is making you get the vaccine? Well, uh, does your employer, if you're in the States, does, does your employer know that that means that the employer is now legally liable for any negative effects 
from the vaccine? Oh, the vaccine manufacturers, the COVID guys? And do you also understand it's not been approved by the FDA? I mean, it's not been approved. It's for emergency use only. They've, they've lifted restrictions on putting it into people's bodies. It absolutely has not been approved. It was never tested extensively on people before it was put out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Crazy. Send them over to the vaccine reaction telegram. That might change their mind. What's up, Steph? How's your portfolio doing? Well, it's, uh, it's taking it in the nads. What can I tell you, man? Uh, it's taking it in the nads, but I don't care. I mean, uh, my, my portfolio is taking about as much damage at the moment as my Dungeons and Dra- Dragons characters were when they got hit by an arrow. In other words, it's all imaginary because none of this stuff means anything until you actually sell, <laughs> which I'm not. So anyway, uh, it's just kind of funny. Um, yeah, imaginary damage doesn't, doesn't even come close to troubling me at all. <sighs> oh, jab because social media censors you if you say vaccine? Yeah. <laughs> all in all, it's just a, another jab in the arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are just thirsty for... Look, may, maybe... I don't know. Maybe this uh, vaccine will turn out to be God's gift to mankind. And, you know, I just, I have a, one of my basic thoughts about this, again, this is all just opinion. I'm no doctor. It's uh, kind of, <laughs> there is no pain. I am just bleeding. A distant clot stroke on the horizon. COVID keeps on coming through in waves. <laughs> My lips move, but I can't hear what you're saying. Your lips move. So does it trouble you that you could have sold high and bought more low? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because I don't have a time machine and I'm not omniscient. So the idea, oh, but if if I'd sold at 80 Canadian and then bought at 43, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? I mean, you can do this your, your whole life. You can do this your whole life with every single thing, but you don't have omniscience. And no, it doesn't bother me at all because, see, here's the, I, I talked last time about the Miko system. Wednesday night, it's a great show. It's called My Theory of Mind. I just excerpted the bit and, and put it out as a solo show. You can get it at freedomain.locals.com. And if you want to sign up there, I'd really appreciate that as well, freedomain.locals.com. So here's the thing. If you accept every single part of yourself, then no part of yourself, none of your alter egos can be turned against you. No one can make you feel bad without your permission. It's kind of true. I mean, verbally, right? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's kind of true, right? So all of the people who trash talk me and and say I'm the worst guy in the known universe... What they're doing is they're trying to sort of tinker around with my inside brain and try and find an ally who, so that I will self-attack. But because all of, my, all of the aspects of myself are allies and valued and treasured in my life, there's no Judas <clears throat> to join the trolls in my head so that I will self-attack. And that's why you, every part of yourself that you alienate and are hostile to and denigrate and put down and think is bad... That is a giant lever by which people will control you by turning that rejected and ostracized character within your mind against you. So especially if you want to do, if you want to fight evil, man, you got to be friends with yourself because otherwise evil will find the unfriendly parts of yourself and turn them against you. That's just the way it goes, right? 
So yeah, that show was good. It was a good show. It was a good show. Does the environmentalist argument about crypto have any merit at all? Even even as excuse to pump and dump, it could still be valid. Do you really, I mean, do you want me to hold your dick while you pee? I don't quite understand. Like, do you, do you want me to do your thinking for you? Is, is there no, you can't look up any rebuttals to these arguments yourself? You're just going to come and, and have me? <laughs> what, can I digest your food for you in the morning? Just go look up Nick Carter, NIC Carter. Go look up anybody, environmental pushback. If you care enough to ask me, you know, I'm, I'm, I ain't going to Google for you, bro. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, are you ever going to release your journals? Yeah, probably post-mortem. Yeah, probably after after I'm dead. Yeah. So. Higher IQ people are more likely to take the vax because they are more conformist, which will make them infertile, which is destroying K-genes. No, no, it's not true at all. So the people who are uh, hesitant about the, the jab are better educated, more skeptical, more curious. These are all marks, uh, marks of higher IQ. No, no, it's not, not a high IQ thing to, to not get it, right? So, Steph, you're an amazing speaker. That's we here. That's why we're here. I have my own thoughts, Steph. I just wanted to hear what you thought. Uh, but that's not, I mean, you can say that if you want, but that's not what you typed. What you typed was, does the environmentalist argument about crypto have any merit at all? Even if it's an excuse to pump and dump, it could still be valid. So you can change what you said, but you know, there's a scroll thing here. I can actually look back. Oh no, no, I have my own thoughts. I did right? Um, so NFT memoirs now. Yeah, well, so I'll, I'll put out an NFT uh, maybe in a week or two. Uh, I, I did a whole presentation. Remember I said the rise of Nazism was just one of the few presentations I chickened out of releasing? The other one was IQ. <laughs> the presentation on IQ, two and a half hours, everything you ever wanted to know about IQ, but I was too chicken to publish, so I'll put that one out as well. And well, here's the thing too, right? So uh, China produces, I think, has four times the population of the U.S., but only is 30% of the world's emissions, right? And China has 20% of its energy coming from renewables, and in America, that's only 10%. So the idea that you know, China is just really, really bad, I mean, it's just crazy, right? How is Isabella doing lately? Uh, she's good. She's good. Steph, what do you think about homosexuality? Uh, I've never been bi-curious myself. So um, my favorite singer was gay, though. Well, bi, then, straight, then bi, then gay. How big a bombshell is your IQ presentation? <laughs> well, I think when I said I didn't release it, that should give you... I've released some pretty, uh, pretty uh, edgy stuff. So, Why are popular liberal thinkers denying the race IQ studies? But because, as I've mentioned on the show, and there's you, you know, no reason why you've heard all this, because uh, a century ago, ago, the communists openly declared and stated that they were going to drive racial divisions and hostility in America and in the West to destroy capitalism and liberty, right? They are going, and that's why they want to import a lot of different races. And then they want to suppress any explanation for different outcomes by different races. They want to suppress every explanation for that, except evil racist whitey, because that way they can weaponize the people 
that they've imported, right? This is, this is straight up, right? And this is not my theory. This is exactly what they have said for 100 years, but you won't hear about it, of course, because they're also in control of the... Anyway, you get it, right? So let's see here. Tezos is a sponsor of the Red Bull F1 team. Pretty bullish move. Yeah, very good. I gladly pay $500 for that presentation, but I don't want to spend 50K on the NFT. Well, I guess you won't get it then, probably. I'm sorry, you know, I mean, uh, what the market will bear, right? What the market will bear. Uh, if someone buys your NFT, then do they still have complete control over distributing it, or can you still share them? Uh, no, if, I mean, if somebody buys the NFT, it's theirs, right? I'm not going to go share it. I mean, yeah, no, that's not the way, not the way it goes. Like, if I sell you my car, I don't get to take it back on the weekends, right? All right, I'm going to talk about uh, Harry, Meghan, and Princess Diana. Um, so a couple of things have uh, come out just over the last couple of days. And I know people are like, hey, what are you talking about? Princess Diana for, man. There's more important things to talk about, which is kind of funny, right? No, it is important. Uh, it is important. So let me just get... Um, what's been going on just over the last couple of days. So Martin Bashir. Martin Bashir was a pretty no-name journalist back in the day, in the 90s. He did an interview with Michael Jackson that some people say was pretty horrendous and led to a lot of Michael Jackson's troubles. And then he lied to manufactured evidence uh, in order to get an interview with Princess Diana. Now, this was a pretty famous interview for those of you who were back in the day in 1995. Now, Martin Bashir, I don't know where he's from. He was raised a Muslim. I think then he converted to Christianity, and I don't think he quite got to the thou shalt not bear false witness and look up to Kaya, but... Um, so the British broadcaster, BBC, seen as a respected source of news and information around the world. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's facing questions at home about its integrity following a scathing report on its explosive 1995 interview with Princess Diana. So Diana's brother, Charles Spencer, complained that journalist Martin Bashir used false documents and other dishonest tactics to persuade Diana to grant the interview. As a result, the BBC commissioned an investigation by retired Judge John Dyson, who released a 127-page report on his findings just yesterday. So, Justice Secretary Robert Buckland told the BBC, it wasn't just the decision of a reporter or a production team, there were decisions made much further up the chain about the conduct of these individuals that have now proved, according to Lord Dyson, to be unfounded and wrong. And therefore, the government does have a responsibility to look very carefully to see whether the government of the BBC does need reform in the light of these devastating findings. At the heart of the scandal were documents made to look like bank statements falsely suggesting that members of Diana's inner circle were being paid to spy on her. Now, Princess Diana was a total hot mess. I mean, she was nuts. She had bulimia. Uh, she threatened suicide, uh, she threw herself down a flight of stairs because she didn't get her way. I mean, she was mad, like completely nuts. And so if you start planting paranoia into the mind of a truly mentally unstable woman, I mean, that's straight up torture, just straight up 
torture. Spencer, this is her brother, alleged that Bashir used the documents to gain his trust so Spencer would introduce the journalist to Diana. He also alleged that Bashir made up stories about the royal family to strengthen Diana's belief that there was a conspiracy against her. When graphic designer Matt Weisler, Weisler, who had been commissioned by Bashir to create mocked-up documents, saw the program, he immediately made the connection between his commission and the interview. He brought his concerns to BBC management, but he has long contended that they made him a scapegoat. Just wretched. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, before. The Michael Jackson interview was afterwards. Sorry. Uh, Bashir went on to forge a successful career on both sides of the Atlantic. He conducted another bombshell interview with Michael Jackson in 2003 for ITV and worked for ABC and MSNBC. Now, he's resigned this month, citing ill health, apologized for faking the documents. But he said it had, quote, no bearing whatsoever on the personal choice by Princess Diana to take part in the interview. (laughs) Come on. So, yeah, he uh, completely faked things and uh, absolutely just wrecked this crazy uh, woman. Like, really just threw her off the, uh, uh, off the bridge as far as that went. So, yeah, it's uh, just, just terrible. And, of course, this is a... I mean, you're forced to pay. At gunpoint, you're forced to pay for the BBC, whether you like it or not. And this is, uh, this is how they roll. Just. Wretched now, of course, what is it? Uh, 1995. <laughs> you know, it's a long, long, decades later, right? So they don't care. They don't care. They just, they just don't care. The media. Uh, they are just monstrous. Monstrous. So, yeah, I mean, as far as I can tell, uh, and there's some, some arguments. Uh, there's some arguments that say that uh, because she, these documents made her so paranoid about her security team that she ended up ditching her security team and therefore her security team wasn't around when she was in Paris, ended up having to flee the paparazzi and died in the bridge, right? So it could be, and there's certainly arguments, I don't know whether they're true or not, that you know, this kind of stuff contributed significantly to her death. Um, so now William and Harry are accusing the BBC interview of contributing to the untimely death of their mother, who was killed in a car crash while fleeing paparazzi in 1997. Prince William said, It is my view that the deceitful way the interview was obtained substantially influenced what my mother said. He added, The interview was a major contribution to making my parents' relationship worse and has hurt countless others. It brings indescribable sadness to know that the BBC's failures contributed significantly to her fear, paranoia, and isolation that I remember from those final years with her. Prince Harry issued his own statement after the results of the investigation were released, calling out the culture of exploitation and unethical practices that took his mother's life. To those who have taken some form of accountability, thank you for owning it. This is the first step towards justice and truth. Yet what deeply concerns me is that practices like these, and even worse, are still widespread today. Then and now, it's bigger than one outlet, one network, or one publication. Our mother lost her life because of this, and nothing has changed. By protecting her legacy, we protect everyone and uphold the dignity with which she lived her life. Let's remember who she was and what she stood for. So, uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty wretched what what they did, and uh, they were alerted. They knew, they just didn't care. It's demonic to love money or power to the point where you're willing to drive a mentally ill woman right over the edge and control her and, in a sense, force her through forged documents and inflaming her paranoia to torture her in this way into surrendering. Uh, call email is uh, callin at freedomain.com. Callin at freedomain.com. So now, of course, Prince Harry, who married Meghan Markle, of course, Prince Harry is with Oprah producing a uh, series on mental health. And... Oh, it's going to be crazy. I mean, we already have, um, I haven't watched it, but I've read reports that Lady Gaga went into a years-long dissociative state of mental illness uh, because I think of repeated rapes in the music industry. Wouldn't you know it? Music industry and the media industry full of a lot of predatory sociopaths. And uh, yeah, so all the betas, a lot of them create uh, access to art and control of art so that they can get their hands on attractive women that wouldn't normally give them the time of day or date them in any way, shape, or form. So there's a lot of that stuff going on in these kinds of industries. But, but here's the thing. I think Prince Harry is a truly tragic example. And people say, oh, he's been over-therapized and it's become kind of narcissistic and so on. Well, I don't know about any of that. I don't know about any of that. But I will say this. I will say this. Prince Harry married a woman. So Meghan Markle, as far as I've read, was threatening suicide. Was threatening suicide. Uh, let me just make sure I get the timeline on this. And she was very explicit about it. Very explicit about it. And... It was absolutely uh, brutal. So what she said to Harry, as far as I understand it, is that, she, was she pregnant, I think, uh, that she, she threatened to kill herself and, and of course, his unborn child, as, as far as I understand it. And this Candace Owens was tweeting about this back in March. She said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if a woman threatens to kill herself and your unborn child, you are in an emotionally abusive relationship. And she, she, apparently Markle went into great detail about how she was going to kill herself. And she finally said, but I'm not going to do this to you because you already lost your mother. Right? And so I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to do it. Whew, my God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in a relationship with somebody who's pregnant with your child and apparently or reportedly threatens to kill herself and goes into great detail about how she's going to do it and then just holds off because, right? So 
you know, what do you do when you don't get your way? Now, I've never, I mean, I've talked about my mom being pretty unstable, very unstable. She never did anything like that. So, my God, I don't even know what to say. But if you look at these patterns, right? So there were, you know, bulimia, instability, various forms of addiction, and, you know, what, suicide attempts or suicide threats or suicide ideation on the part of Princess Diana. And how is it that Prince Harry ends up marrying his mom in this way? I mean, that's pretty clear, right? That's pretty clear. And, and I can tell you why. I can tell you why he ended up marrying a woman who also threatened to kill herself, basically, if she didn't get away or didn't get what she wanted, right? I'm going to just kill myself. Oh, my. Like, that's it, man. You're done. Once you drop the S-bomb into a relationship, there's nothing but get out of the room as quickly as humanly possible. You cannot be in a relationship with someone who, if they don't get their way, they threaten to kill themselves. You simply cannot. That's, that's terrorism. Absolute, straight-up emotional terrorism. So how on earth did this young man, you know, he was, he has a dad, he was in the army, uh, his mom died when he was, what, 12 or something like that, so it wasn't like he grew up without a mom at all. Well, I'll tell you why. Because, because when Prince Harry talks about what went wrong in his family, he only ever blames his father. He only ever blames his father. Now, there's a little bit of blame on the queen and her, her late husband, but Prince Harry doesn't hold his mother responsible. So Prince Harry has nothing but wonderful things to say about his mother. And his mother was, psychologically speaking, a wreck, a disaster, and a monster. And then people say, well, you know, but she was the most photographed woman in the world. It's like, yeah, she courted that. She knew. She knew as a very attractive woman with great hair, she's going to marry jug-eared Prince Philip. Uh, sorry, Prince Charles. And uh, of course, she's going to be very famous and she embraced that. She wanted it. Maybe she didn't want it later, but there was lots of things she could have done to um, take herself out of the public eye. And it's not like everybody who's famous, everybody who's photographed a lot goes insane, right? There's something else that's uh, going on. I don't know if it's pretty privileged, like you're so used to getting your own way because you're pretty that you simply can't take it and just trash through everyone's objections with ever escalating emotional dramas to the point of threatening suicide. So he doesn't hold his mother responsible. Harry, if you're listening, massive sympathies. But dude, you can't just hold your father responsible and not your mother. You can't just hold your father responsible but not your mother. Because if you do that, your mother was a saint, your father was a monster, well, what you're doing is you're saying that your mother was wonderful and once you've defined that really disturbed and deranged femininity as wonderful, you're going to be drawn to it. You can't say, my mother was wonderful, but I'm going to marry somebody completely opposite. You can't do that. It's not how the heart works. It's not how your loins work. It's not how love works at all. Whatever you define as the good, whatever you sympathize with, you're going to marry. That's why you've got to be really ruthless in your judgments of people. It's a way of shielding you against people who will exploit you. Because if you totally... Look, I'm not saying there was nothing sympathetic about your mother. There was no victimhood at all with regards to your mother. She was a lot younger and she was brought up kind of sheltered. But she was not innocent. She was an adult. She chose to get married 
to Charles. She chose to have children. And this is the price of vanity, right? Charles is not this big, attractive guy. I don't mean like physically. I mean, okay, he's British, so, you know, bad teeth, big ears. But she chose to get married to Charles because of hypergamy, right? Because of vanity, because she would then be, I guess she thought she'd be the queen, maybe at some point, right? Although pretty much it's the walking dead with regards to QE2, right? So she wanted all of that, and she then found out, the vanity will say, whatever you're unhappy about, vanity will say, well, just achieve X, Y, and Z, and by gosh, you'll be, you'll be fine, you'll be happy. You don't need self-knowledge, you don't need to confront yourself, you don't need to know anything about your history, you don't need to unearth any moral judgments that are buried out of fear. All you need to do is get a hair transplant, get a nose job, become wealthy, become famous, become successful, make whatever. And everything will be fine. That's what vanity says. Vanity is a way of just dragging you away using the rein or the whip of your absolute desire, or rather people who did you wrong as a child, their absolute desire to never have you examine your history. And, and this is what the devil does in a way, right? Vanity does. Vanity says, oh, all you got to do, man, forget about dealing with the past, forget about moral judgments of history, forget about your inner child, forget about processing reality, forget about moral universalism, forget about objectivity, forget about all of that stuff, man. That's all a quagmire, man. It's just a bubbling, satanic fart sinkhole of quicksand infinity. Don't go there, man. It'll suck you under, suck you down, and you'll never come back up. Here's what you need to do. If you feel empty, if you feel unloved, if you feel without a motive, if you feel without a center, if you feel without a core... If you feel without gravity, if you feel without impact, if you feel like you are a soap bubble in a hurricane bouncing along the treetops of the world to vanish in a world of nothingness, if you feel that way, yeah, don't, don't, don't do it with your history, man. Don't go back. No backing up. Don't go back. All you got to do is you just got to get approval from others. You don't need to examine yourself. You don't need to understand yourself. You don't need to morally judge your history according to objective standards. You don't need to do any of that stuff. All you need to do, you see, is you've just got to be loved by others. If you're loved and approved of by others, you don't have to deal with your past or your history at all. So Princess Diana, don't know much about her childhood. I can pretty much assume what was going on, right? She had, she was, Bulimia, right? She would throw up in order to maintain her slender frame. So bad childhood. Feels empty. And then this great crown, literally this great crown, this fairy tale, this great crown was dangled in front of her. And because she was so young and because she had a broken childhood and because people weren't advising about it, they... She, she grabbed it. She took the bait. And then she felt the hook. She took the bait and then she felt the hook. And then there's a great catastrophe, right? Then there's a great catastrophe. And the great catastrophe is I'm unhappy. Well, I just had a fairy tale wedding. I'm fabulously wealthy. I have a beautiful house. I have a husband who's one of the most powerful men in the world. I'm young, I'm thin, I'm beautiful. I've got babies. There's no possible external reason why I should be unhappy. Not one. Not one. Yet. Yet. The unhappiness continues. Oof. You know how wretched that is? 
because she can't upgrade from there, right? She can't say, well, I, I, I'm going to divorce this guy and get a, a more powerful prince. <laughs> I'm going to get more money. I'm going to be younger and thinner, right? She can't upgrade. So whatever misery retains within her soul, when she has everything that she could possibly want, then she can't fix it. And that's where the depression and the suicidality comes in. Which is the devil said, get all of this stuff. Everyone will love you. Everyone will envy you. Even getting wealthy is having other people vote for you with their money. I guess Prince Charles voted on behalf of the British taxpayers, but there's no reason for you to be unhappy, yet you are unhappy. There's nothing in your life that you could possibly fix in order to become happier, yet your unhappiness continues. That's when nihilism, despair, and suicidality kicks in because there's no cure. You've said openly, explicitly, if I get this great stuff, I'll be happy. Then you get all this great stuff and you're still unhappy. So you're wrong. But it's too late to go back. It's too late to go back. Happiness shouldn't be our main reason for us to want to live. Why not? The fact that people make a mistake about what will bring them happiness doesn't mean that happiness shouldn't be a goal. It just means that we should have a goal that's rational and moral. And do you know that one of the times when British women's mental health was the very best was right after the death of Diana? Because Diana smashed the fairy tale, right? She smashed the fairy tale. Young, thin, beautiful, wealthy, in demand, most photographed, most, she was the most famous and most photographed woman in the entire world. You know, beautiful, healthy children and palaces to live in and she married the prince, should live happily ever after and boom! And so just for a couple of months, this veil lifted from people and they said, holy shit, that stuff ain't gonna make me happy. And I think people actually started to deal with their own demons rather than having the real demon lead them away from their historical demons to a fantasy land of it'll all be better when. It'll all be better when. There is no external solution to the problem of insecurity. I've been saying this for 15 years. I've been saying it for longer than 15 years, but I've only been a public figure for 15 or 16 years. There is no external solution to the problem of insecurity. I mean, I learned this as a teenager when my mother got, and I was in my, oh, was I? I was pretty young. And my mother felt, ah, you know, the reason why I can't keep a man is because my nose is too big. Yeah, I bet you that's it. So, um... She got a nose job. Pretty brutal. You ever seen someone like they really look raccooned up with black eyes and stuff like that? She got a nose job. Funny story. Not so funny story. Turns out it wasn't because her nose was too big. It wasn't because her nose was too big. It's because she was crazy and violent. Can you imagine? And that it made her more unhappy. Because the devil was saying, 
but you don't have to look at your history. You don't have to look at your behavior. You don't have to look at your morals, your virtues, your integrity, your kindness. The problem you see is your nose is too big. That's, that's it, man. That's all. You're perfect, except for that nose. See, it's just a way of distracting you from dealing with your shit, of dealing with your history, of dealing with the morals of those who did you harm. And of course, all the people who did you harm are like, yeah, yeah, it's the nose, man. Totally. Yeah, yeah. You focus on that nose, man. Just whatever you do, don't stop morally questioning your history. Just focus on that nose. Follow the nose. It always knows. You can't stand nose jobs? Yeah, especially when they put two in, man. That cleavage looks so fake. So fake. So, well, and Meghan Markle, too, of course, after emotionally terrorizing Prince Harry with, I'm going to kill myself and your unborn child if I don't get what I want. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that's my sense of how things went. Then you see what she does after this emotional terrorism. She said, hmm, you don't seem very happy. You need therapy. <laughs> now, maybe he did need therapy. Maybe he does. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say, I think the reason that he was unhappy was because you kind of threatened to kill yourself and the unborn child. <laughs> That's probably why he was unhappy. Because she's like, well, I don't want to repeat what happened with your mom. Uh, I think you just did. You don't think he saw his mom threatening to kill herself or hurt it while she didn't get what she wanted, and now you're doing exactly the same thing. We say, well, I don't want to do what your mom did. You kind of did, and you know that about his history because it was kind of public. You know that, Miss Markle, about your husband's history because that was public. And when you know the greatest wound in someone's life and you press down on it to get your way, whew, that's about as ugly a thing as you can possibly do. That is about an, as ugly a thing as you can possibly do. Oof. Let me just see here. I want to make sure I get this part fair. Don't try suicide. Nobody gives. Nobody gives. Nobody gives a damn. Princess Diana said to have attempted suicide five times. British newspapers printed allegations that Princess Diana tried to commit suicide five times in despair over her marriage to Prince Charles. She was said to have flung herself downstairs, cut her wrists with a razor, cut her chest and thighs with a knife, thrown herself at a glass cabinet, and cut herself with a lemon slicer in tormented cries for help. Why is that a tormented cry for help? Now, this is from, uh, where is this from? Oh, this is the L.A. Times. So it's disputed. It's disputed, but... Um, see, the, the, if a woman threatens to commit suicide, it's got to be tormented cry for help. It's got to be... Why? Why does it have to be that? Why can't she just be a bully? Why can't she just be a crazed bully? Is that impossible? Is that impossible? Is it someone who's just so used to getting her way for whatever reason that when she doesn't get her way, she just escalates like the government does until she gets her way? Can't it be possible? And how are you supposed to love someone who's then threatened to kill themselves? How, you're just a hostage then to the worst case scenario. You're not in love with them anymore. You're not happy to be there. You're just there so they don't kill themselves, especially when they're a mom. Because if the mom, if you're the dad and the mom is threatening your wife, is threatening to kill herself, oh my God, what are you going to do? Especially when you're as prominent as 
Prince Charles. I mean, the entire family was held hostage by this deranged woman. Oh, but it was just despair. Oh, come on. You all have felt despair. I've felt despair. Threatening to kill ourselves. Now, maybe she was on uh, psychotropic meds. I don't know. Maybe that's destabilized her further. Could be any number of things, but but this is the this is the price, right? This is the price. Yeah, I don't want to do what your mom did. By the way, I'm deliberately doing what your mom did. You mad, bro? Yeah, yeah. Well, can't believe your mom threatened to kill herself or attempted suicide. Five times, according to this report. And Meghan Markle is like, I'm going to kill myself and here's how I'm going to do it. But I've decided not to because I don't want to remind you of your mom. It's like, nah. well, what's he going to do now? He's stuck now, right? He's stuck now. Hmm. Crazy. And, and this, so, this woman who was suicidal, right? I mean, this is this, this, um, Bashar, was this Bashar? Was, was um, lying to her and stoking her paranoia. And people are spying on you. They're being paid to do it. And here's the records. And you got to talk to me. To People threaten suicide because it's hard for the other person to get out of it. Well, it's, you can say it's an act of desperation, but it's somebody who who feels so utterly worthless that all they have left is threats. All they have left is threats. Wretched. All right. So that's the one thing I wanted to mention. I, I had another thing about, I really hate, I, I won't do it though, but I, I just, I really hate these people who say, oh, children are resilient. It's like, yeah, we get it. You don't want to take children's needs into account, so you're just going to call them resilient. But if children are so resilient, then why the hell aren't adults resilient? Well, if adults aren't resilient, which they're not, they all apparently need uh, hug rooms and, and little puppy videos to get over the shock of a conservative coming to speak on their campus. So if adults aren't resilient, then why not? Shouldn't they be? Because, you know, kids are resilient, right? And adults are stronger and more independent than kids, so adults should be resilient too, but they're not. Kids are resilient. That's just bullshit that people say to themselves so they don't have to take into account what children need and what children want and what children deserve from society, which is love, respect, and the highest moral standards of all. I'm actually uh, finally got got round to cranking out uh, my book. I'm on chapter three, Peaceful Parenting. It's good. It's really good. It's really good. A line that probably won't make it to the final publication is um, talking about how you don't blame yourself if uh, it said if um, if a dog bites you, you don't call yourself immoral for that. But if a bitch hits you, <laughs> you probably do. <laughs> anyway, so I will uh, probably not make that to the final version but so we are let me see here children are resilient leads to what is wrong with my teenager suicide is vengeance yeah suicide is uh, ultimate act of aggression ultimate act of aggression too many people on the planet hard to feel sorry for adults in the most wealthy society in existence complaining about being sad well wealth doesn't buy you happiness right you know that right My mother died of ovarian cancer when I was a child. My father went on to marry two women sequentially who faked cancer. What's the book title? Peaceful Parenting. Stop writing philosophy porn. Wait, 
Oh, that's not helping me. <laughs> Try live streaming your writing process. My writing process is I stand on a treadmill, crank it up pretty high, and voice dictate. Um, yeah, suicide is a way of having impact on others without having to be virtuous, right? Yeah, it is an abominable act of selfishness. Because if you do want to die for whatever reason, you can just make it look like an accident so people aren't tortured for the remaining existence. But suiciders are like good riddance to me. All right, let us go. I'm going to go and join. Uh, let me make sure I've got the right audio setting here. Yeah, I do. Okay, so I'm going to go and join the Telegram. Yeah, Telegram. And uh, I will uh, start that audio von thingy thing. And uh, you guys can join in if you want. I'm uh, very happy if you would like to. Um, well, whoever wants to uh, join in, you are welcome to do so. Let me just uh, share the invite link here, and you can join me in. I would be very happy if you wanted to. Uh, join me. All right. Man, I tell you, I have got some call-in shows to release over the next week, dear Lord above in heaven. Dear Lord above in heaven. Why the treadmill? To sort of get high and have left self some. So um, creativity to me comes from changing environments. When I write, if I always write in the same place, I ended up with the same kind of ideas and the same kind of cadence and the same kind of rhythm. So for me, getting on the treadmill keeps me moving, keeps my blood pumping and has me in a different mental state in a different environment for this kind of writing. And it's really, really good for my creativity. You know, plus it's uh, really nice to uh, get some exercise in while I'm while I'm writing. So yeah, it's really it's and I can write for a lot longer then too because I'm not just sitting there getting hunched over and ending up with that kind of stuff as well. So all right, sort of get high. Let's see here. So yeah, just uh, unmute yourself if you wanted to uh, ask any questions or have a chat. I'm happy to hear. Let me just put this one or two other places. I may do I may do an entire music series. I'm just saying that uh, I absolutely, completely, and totally adore music, and I would say I have a pretty good knowledge of it by now. And I will, in fact, I might do a whole a whole music thing. It's such a great passion of mine, and I hope that other people would find it interesting. Join voice. Uh, you will need to unmute if you want to talk, uh, just to uh, let you know. Uh, and let me see, do I need to, do you need to raise your hand? I can't remember, sorry. <laughs> I probably should remember, but I don't. Uh, hey, if, Steph, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. All right. Well, this isn't really philosophy related or anything, but I was wondering what kind of a dictation software you use. Uh, I'm an author and I haven't had much luck with like Dragon or anything like that. Oh, yeah. No, I do use Dragon. I, I've used Dragon since back in the day when you had to put a pause between each word, like Kirk on the Enterprise. So, uh, no, I, I love Dragon. Dragon is absolutely fantastic. But what you need to do is you need to really train the crap out of that thing. So with Dragon, uh, I have a whole... Um, folder full of my writing and uh, you got to set like whatever you've got that you've written you just have it grind through that 
train it on particular words. You can train it on shortcuts. And I'm not affiliated with Dragon. I'm just telling you it's an absolutely fantastic project, uh, product and a true lifesaver for writers. I mean, because I've got a lot more experience now dictating in a sense because I do so many shows where I talk. So I'm very good at organizing my thoughts on the fly that way. So I have it set up so if I say PP, it becomes Peaceful Parenting with all caps. If I say UPB, it spells it out. If I say SBM, it types out my name. So you can set up shortcuts for what it is that you say on a regular basis. And you have to get used to dictating the punctuation. So, you know, you say caps, blah, 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 comma, open quote, cap, blah, blah, blah. You just have to get used to dictating the punctuation. And if you let it run through your sent, your, your sent items, you let it run through documents that you've written before and you, uh, you train it, uh, it's great. I mean, and you have to have a fast computer and you have to set in the options, you have to set it to most accurate rather than fastest response. But it's, uh, it's an amazing product and uh, I absolutely love it. And uh, it's really hard for me to type, <laughs> to type it, uh, these days because I'm just so used to that kind of voice dictation stuff. So uh, yeah, I would strongly recommend it. Just go to nuance.com. Uh, pick it up, uh, play around with it, and um, you get a decent quality mic. And, you know, just if, if it's a headset mic, mic even better, because then it remains a constant sort of sound thing. But, uh, yeah, just just train it, get a good mic and a fast computer. And as the writer goes, there's almost no better investment in terms of productivity. And, and you'll just get used. The other thing, too, is that if you get used to dictating your work, then you get better at public speaking because you just get more used to speaking your thoughts. And so the fact that I have been, I've written just about all my books with Dragon and not always on a treadmill. The treadmill, I started with um, Essential Philosophy. Uh, I did some of the art of the argument on the treadmill as well, but no, it's, and the treadmill's great, just keeps the blood. Because here's the problem with the writing, you're writing over a desk, you just get kind of hunched over, you get curled in and when your blood's pumping and you, your head's up and you're moving, uh, it's just like a conversation that you're having with a friend that's really passionate and the writing really flows for me that way. So hopefully that uh, helps. Yeah, I would say definitely give it a shot, though. Yeah, Steph, thanks a lot. Uh, it sounds like it's gotten a lot better since I tried it about 10 years ago. So thank you very much. Oh, sorry. I didn't have the uh, audio on there. Sorry, you'll have to hear that afterwards. But the um, uh, the uh, the audio was back. Sorry, I keep forgetting I have to unmute that thing. So he was just asking me about Dragon, naturally speaking, or the best. Yeah, uh, the, the new version, uh, I think it's 15. It's not that new now. But um, yeah, she is. Uh, it's a really, really great product. And it's much better than the one that's built into Windows, in my opinion. And Dragon, I've not used it much, but they also have a Dragon Portable where you can get really good voice dictation on your Android or iOS as well. No, Dragon is a voice dictation software which allows you to customize and it will scan your writing to get used to how you write. And when you've got it trained, and of course I've got a computer now where it's, I've written a couple of books on it and it's really trained to perfection and it almost never makes a mistake. And uh, yeah, it's just a fantastic dragon. Yeah, <laughs> you must like it, yeah. So yeah, I would just, uh, I wish there was a way to voice dictate programming languages it would make Java easier. Yeah, Java, <laughs> just another vague acronym, right? All right, uh, all Hemingway's, was he writing on foot? No, really? I know that Dostoevsky, and it's one of the ideas I got, was Dostoevsky would dictate his books. Uh, he would just walk around and dictate his novels, at least some of the later ones, I think Crime and Punishment onwards, which is one of the reasons why his novels tend to be so chaotic and disjointed, although the writing is still unbelievably great. But uh, I sort of got the idea from... Uh, so yeah, I used to write... 
uh, on a computer at home. And then I wrote The God of Atheists and Almost, my two novels, I wrote those in a Starbucks because I just needed a different environment and all of that. And uh, that was great. Really, really cool. So, All right. Any other questions, comments, issues? Bring them on, baby. I know somebody else wanted to come in and join. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to open this mofo up to other people. Uh, join join me in voice. Join me in voice to ask questions. There we go. Oops. <laughs> I just deleted it when I was supposed to hit enter. There you go. All right. Don't forget to unmute yourself if there's something else that uh, you wanted to bring up. I'm happy to hear. Let's see here. And this way, I can get my friends <laughs> to chat with me here. All right. I I'm happy to rant more about... Um, it's not a threat. Well, it could be a threat, I guess. <laughs> but I'm happy to rant more. A Jungian therapist is a good idea. I need a therapist that respects dreams and the subconscious. So I had a fairly Jungian therapist, and I really, really did that. Um, it, a Jungian therapist in general, will help you take your unconscious processes really seriously. And that was a big change for me, a really big change for me. Uh, let's see here. Science, yeah. Tim Poole said on his show the other night, he missed you. Well, you tell that tea cozy wearing mofo that he can give me a call and have me on the show anytime. I like Tim in a lot of ways, so... <laughs> Uh, science these days. I should do a hike and stream? That would be cool. Yeah? All right. I can think about that. It's kind of tough to stream to D-Live from a phone, I guess. I can look into it. If you guys want it, you know me. I'm a slave to love and a slave to the lovely audience. Uh, Tim has been pushing Bitcoin lately. I guess that means he's got some. So... Let's see here. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm not missing anyone. Tim's, oh, Tim defended Doge. <laughs> Funny story. It turns out that real cars take more energy than toy cars, and Bitcoin takes more energy than Doge. I do like the occasional video where you used to walk around and talk in the woods. Yeah, I will do that more. I will do that more for sure. I mean, I, I, I absolutely love the woods. The woods are absolutely fantastic for me. It's a great refresher because we're kind of not designed for straight line vision all the time. Like everything we look at indoors in general is like a straight line, right? You know, there's edges everywhere. The walls have got edges. Everything's just a straight line. I think it's kind of an assault on the eyes after a while. And what I love about the woods is there aren't any straight lines anywhere. <laughs> you know, maybe you'll see a contrail. Oh, I just had a flashback to Lucifer's Hammer. Great book. C -c 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 contrail. We used to control the lightning. But, uh, sorry, you don't know that. You don't know that. But there's a contrail. You'll see that. But other than that, that's about it. Uh, there was a, uh, just nothing but curvy, bubbly, random. <laughs> there's no straight lines, really. Well, maybe an occasional branch or whatever, but it is uh, just fantastic. So nature is a place of just absolute healing and, and recharging. So yeah, I'll be happy to uh, uh, put that out in the, uh, uh, if you guys would like that, I'd be happy to put that out in the, uh, uh, in the stream, in the stream. Talk more about nature. In every Bitcoin correction, more people will join and defend it. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the people who have the vision, they understand the vision. They, they get it. And they will stick through thin, thick or thin, right? I mean, isn't this what you do? Oh, Lucifer, is Lucifer's Hammer on Audible? I remember Jackoff was one of the uh, Russian cosmonauts. Everybody made fun of his name. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really good book. Larry Niven and Poole, was it? Something like that. It's a big-ass book. But um, I read that when I was in my teens. Better than Ringworld. I went through such a big science fiction kick in my teens. Ray Bradbury, I still love. I read um, Delicate Sound of Thunder to my daughter a while ago. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. What a writer that man was. Not always great with his choices of topics, but just as a writer slash poet, the man was, Ray Bradbury, was just staggeringly fantastic. What's the most reliable source of receiving an accurate IQ test? Well, A, listening to this show, and B, you have to get it from a psychologist. There's no online stuff, blah, blah, blah. You have to get it from a psychologist where it's timed and they know what they're doing. So, How do we raise our hand to speak in the chat exactly? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry because I'm on the receiving end. But if I go in here, uh, I think you just unmute and talk. Yeah, just, just unmute and talk, man. Oh, Steph turned on by the trees. <laughs> Except uh, when the hello? machine gun fire of the uh, woodpecker shows up. <laughs> How to find a good psychologist? I have a show. I think it's FDR 1939 or 1929 or something like that. Uh, it is um, called How to Find a Great Therapist. And let me just get the actual number for you. I'll put the link in here. Uh, hey, Steph, can you hear me? Yes. How you doing, man? Doing great. Um, <clears throat> so I have a question for you. Not just a question, but it's about um, peaceful parenting or rather the the consequences of bad parenting. And okay, sorry, one sec. It's the FDR. It's FDR 1927, How to Find a Great Therapist. And again, not any particular professional advice, of course, but... It uh, is a way that you can uh, at least get my thoughts on what can what can work. Oh, yeah, thanks, James. Okay, sorry, uh, my friend. Uh, apologize for the interruption. Go ahead. Oh, no problem. Um, so about two weeks or three weeks ago in my country, there was a guy that um, one day he simply decided to go into a kindergarten and with a Japanese sword he murdered three child three 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 children and two two women that were, were working there. Sorry, I'm quite nervous. In, in no, no, stuff you're doing great. Language. I appreciate that. Go ahead. No problem. Uh, so he killed three kids and two women. And then he tried to kill himself when people finally decided to stop him. So I was going to ask you, what do you think that causes a human being to not only, like, I, I probably know that the guy was probably miserable and all that he probably had a bad childhood and, and stuff but the motivation for him to just want to murder children before taking his own life i don't think it's just to get attention or anything like that it probably has to do with uh, deep hatred for life itself i suppose so I, I would like to hear your thoughts about that well i don't think that it's about hating kids at all now, I don't know this story, so I'm completely theorizing here, just so everyone can cut me some slack. But no, it's um, – so who does it do the most damage to when you kill a child? It damages the parents. So who's he angry at? He's angry at parents because that's the worst thing that you can do, right? I mean, uh, if you 
do bad things to the mafia, they don't go after you. They'll go after your family, particularly if you're in prison, right? So yeah. the, the children, you know, there's that famous line from just about every adventure movie, No to Man, you know, some guy dies and, and that they're being chased and, by bad guys and some guy dies and, and everyone's like, well, his troubles are over, but ours are still here, so let's keep running. And so the kids, you know, obviously monstrously evil what he does to them, but their suffering is over. But the parents' suffering is only beginning and will last for the rest of their lives. So then the question is, why would someone be really, really angry at parents? Now, not just his parents, but parents as a category. Parents as an abstract concept. Now, obviously, I don't know. But, you know, kind of gun to the head theorizing, I would say this. Nobody in society... And you can look into your own heart and your own history and you will know the truth that I'm talking about here. Nobody in society who's a child, who's abused, suffers alone. Nobody suffers alone. Everybody ignores their suffering. Everybody ignores. They step over the bodies of the children to get to the fridge. They slap pancake batter on the bruises of the children to get out the door. Children are not isolated. They're not starving to death on a remote island all alone. They are taken down right in the middle of society with everybody fucking watching. I said this in my journal 25 years ago when I was going through really intensive therapy. I said, to be a child and taken down in a remote jungle plain by a lion would be horrifying, but not nihilistic. To be mauled by a lion in the middle of nowhere would not make you a nihilist. What makes you a nihilist is when you're standing in a bus line with a bunch of people reading their newspapers, the lion comes and takes you down, and everybody takes a step back and raises their newspapers and lets the lion take you. That's the way it works for children in society. Everybody knows. Everybody sees. Nobody does anything. Nobody does anything. And that's what hurt me the most. And I, if you were abused as a child, that's what hurt you the most was not the abuse. Because the abuse only reveals to you the evil of your abuser. The splash damage is realizing the catatonic and sociopathic indifference slash approval of society as a whole. The indifference slash approval of society as a whole. So this man, I'm again completely guessing here, but this man was horribly treated as a child. Now, when you're horribly treated by your own parents, beaten, abused, raped, tortured, whatever it is, then you look at your parents and you say, well, you're really bad people. You're obviously out of control. And then you look at everyone else around you and you say, the fuck? Do you see nothing? Do you not see that I'm hurt? Do you not see that I'm wounded? Do you not see that I'm being torn apart on a daily basis? by the monstrous in my house. 
And society, of course, because we're in the cult of honor thy mother and thy father, society, oh, it's like when my, uh, my mother and I were having a, a screaming match and she just got so enraged that I wouldn't back down. Because, you know, when you're a little kid, you back down. But when you're 13 and you're getting to be pretty husky uh, and you're growing quickly, you stop backing the fuck down, right? Because you've got some pride. So when she couldn't physically dominate me anymore, she called the cops on me. And the cops came in, and, and my mom, of course, was like, she was just the victim, and you won't listen to me. And the cops, you know, just gave me a big-ass lecture. Yeah, listen to your mother, son. The generation gap, it can be tough, but you got to do what your mother says, right? Our teachers knew. Extended family knew. My friends knew that I had no food at home. I'd be hanging around, waiting for dinner, hoping for dinner, crossing my fingers for dinner, finding out if I could eat that day. <laughs> I don't need to laugh, but this is kind of where it was. Hunting around in the woods, looking for a spring so I could get something to drink. Because if I, if I lost a key, I couldn't say, tell my mom. See, my mom had this weird belief that a key was some magical GPS homing device long before these things even existed. And if you lost a key, by God, Whoever found that key would sniff it and they would set bloodhounds on it. And those bloodhounds would come up to the fifth floor of the Tamanaco apartments in Don Mills and they would get to 511 and they would find it and they would put the key in and they would take everything and kill everyone. That's what would happen, <laughs> you see. If you lost a key somewhere in the neighborhood, people would say, homeboy, find the home, find the home, go. And they would, then the key would just hop along like a little Gumby, just boing, 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 hop along, and it would jump up, and it would push the button, and the elevator would lead you to the right place, and it would slide itself into the lock, because magic keys, you know. I didn't have my name on it or anything. There was no address on the damn thing. But if you lost a key, you couldn't say anything, because then you'd get the shit beaten out of you, right? Because then you would be putting everyone's lives in danger, because people would find the key, follow it home, and kill you. So I would try and sneak out my mom's key, and I would, you know, it was two, I remember very clearly, it's two bucks to make a key, right? It's two bucks to make a key. I actually did it later when I got older in a, a, a hardware store, and I worked for a couple of years in the hardware store in Don Mills, and I would love making keys, right? And I would try and, and get a key copied, but it was kind of tough to get into my mother's purse, right? Obviously. It was even more tough to get two bucks. So I would get locked out a lot, right? I, I'd try and leave the door unlocked because I had to leave before my mom. I'd try and leave the door unlocked, but she'd find it, lock it, and then I'd come home and I couldn't get in. I couldn't get in and, and I'd just, like from 3.30 until my mom got home at 6 or 6.30, I'd just hang out at people's houses. I'd go for walks. I'd, you know, whatever, right? I just can't get in. And then I'd come in after she came home. Where were you? Oh, I was just playing with friends. Sometimes that was true, but... So... I was often locked out, often without food. Everybody knew. My clothes were torn. I smelled a little <laughs> sometimes. And it was just... A, and so nobody does anything. Now, listen, I mean, I have much more sympathy for that now because when I started doing something to actually help victims of child abuse, even though they were adults, the entire media descended upon me like a pack of fucking rabid wolves 
and called me a cult leader and a destroyer of families and, and you know, just it was a brutal, brutal experience. So looking back, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of understand why people didn't do anything and I can kind of understand why people don't do stuff now. Because in any conflict between parents and children, abusive parents and victimized children, society sides with the parents. The cops sided with my mom. The teachers ignored all of the abuse. Extended family, friends, parents, all ignored the abuse. So I would imagine that this killer, this does nothing to justify the evil that he did, but if you want sort of the dominoes that I think would have led to something like that, then he would be uh, angry at, uh, at parents for failing to protect him as a child. And yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. I agree with you because I have been fo I have been following you for like um, six years now, and after hearing all your stories and reflections and all the calling shows, I watch every one, every single one of them, and the word just make a lot of more sense now. And when I was reading about this case, I immediately talked. Talk, uh, talk to myself that this guy probably has a lot of issues when he was a child because he he's quite young he's like 20 20 years old and he had he had a job he had friends and stuff so his mom the first thing he, she said was oh she he was just a normal guy no one no no one knew he could do that the, the old story right and his dad his dad killed himself and people kept saying that his dad killed himself out of shame or something like that. But I am sure that his dad probably killed himself because everyone can see now that he failed as a parent. And not just failed like mm. um, he tried and couldn't make it, but he, what his, his upbringing that he gave to his son was so bad that his son at the age of 20 decided to kill three toddlers and two women, women working in a kindergarten. So I, I believe that people don't realize that kind of uh, perspective. And uh, since we're, we're, we are touching the subject of peaceful parenting, I have been having a lot of trouble trying to convey to people um, the importance of peaceful, peaceful parenting and the consequences that bad parenting causes to children that end up uh, showing up when they're adults, but people are so stubborn that the issues are not uh, originating from their childhood. It's just amazing. I, I mean, I try my best to, to explain to them, but it's like it's like just like what what you said the other day that people don't care for children. They 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 walk the the world is built on the, upon the bodies of children. I think that's what you said, and. That's make perfect sense to me. I like children suffer so much in this world because like you just said before, people maybe just think, ah, uh, children are so resilient that we can just uh, keep going on like this. And it's quite sad. But uh, yeah, that was the, just what I wanted to talk to you because it's a pretty horrible case and uh, I definitely see the world um, in a terrible state when people see something like that happening 
and not being able to realize what causes it, which will probably make more cases like that in the future. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. And um, there's also going to be additional escalations because of multicultural issues. I mean, you can see this happening in the streets of New York, right? And nobody seems to notice that this Palestinian-Israeli conflict was pretty muted under Trump, and now Biden's gotten in, and the things hit the roof, and there's rockets being launched in the Iron Dome battling, and and now these uh, conflicts are spilling over into the cities of uh, France and, and America and so on. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's just how it goes. Somebody says, people are so stupid and evil, I hate them all so much. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Because I, uh, I don't think you want to extrapolate, right? See, if you have abusers in your life, they'll want you to extrapolate that. They'll want you to do two things. They want you, number one, to say, well, they weren't abusers. I just wasn't a good kid. I deserved every beating I got because I just didn't listen and I was bad and all of that, right? So, but if you break through that, level of defense and you get so okay well it wasn't me that was bad then they'll say they'll want to say well it's human nature to be evil and stupid and so you can't blame us it's like blaming us for being bipeds it's human nature to be bipeds and it's human nature to be stupid and evil so you can't single us out because we're just part of the general blend of humanity it's like picking out one blade of grass and saying somehow it's the opposite of every other blade of grass it's like no they're kind of interchangeable right so they'll want you to develop the nihilism of and the same thing like when i see the men who are uh, oh, all women, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, that's just your mom. It's just your mom saying that somehow she represents female nature as a whole. I mean, do you think, how happy would I be if I thought my mom represented female nature? Would I be married? Would I love my wife? Would I have a great relationship with my daughter? No, my mom didn't represent female nature. But whenever people are like, oh yeah, female nature is this, female nature is like, no, no, that's, that's the women you know. That was your mom. Don't, don't insult my wife and my daughter by saying that they're just like your mom. <laughs> it's not fair, right? That's not fair. So, um, we got somebody you want to you want to jump in, right? Go for it. Yes. Oh, I don't know if she's in. Sorry, I thought that was somebody who said yes. Uh, anybody else? Anybody else who wants to bring? Let's see here. Uh, this uh, Sweden's guy, right? Yeah, yeah, could be, could be um, multiculturalism related. Uh, when you want, the, when the vast majority, when the vast majority of people want no immigration, and you keep piling more people into their neighborhoods, you're just going to cause problems. I'm not condoning any of it. It's just you're just going to cause problems, and uh, I hope people will do it, try and do it peacefully. But yeah, uh, do you think cognitive behavioral therapy is useful? I do. I do think the cognitive behavioral therapy is useful. That's comparing your ideas to sort of rational, universal absolutes. Can we have a karaoke night? Ooh, don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. People Hello, Steph. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. I, my son uh, exhibits uh, some ticking behavior. Um, and uh, I, I have a hard time understanding anything about it myself, but I, I was actually uh, pretty curious about the cognitive behavioral therapy in relation to um, things like um, ticking behavior. What is ticking? So like um, uh, for the repetitive things. Um, so like just today, He's doing a, a thing with his eye. Uh, so it's like a, 
it, it appears to be a compulsion for him and uh, he doesn't really know he's doing it. Like um, it, for a while it was a, uh, a clearing of the throat. Um, his uh, sister uh, which is my girlfriend's daughter. She's older and she um, pops knuckles um, and uh, it kind of, uh, it's, I believe that they were diagnosed with Tourette syndrome. With, sorry, Tourette's you said? Yes, that is what I said. Okay. What's the family structure? Girlfriend, where's the wife? Where's the father of, where's your wife or where's the father of her? daughter um yeah so i uh sh she was married for years and uh they divorced and i got together with her in uh 2010 and we had a son um why does she get divorced yeah he uh uh he left with another woman he um he also had uh tourette's uh, was diagnosed with Tourette's. He ticked uh, uncontrollably, and uh, but he suffered from depression and things, and uh, ended up um, uh, meeting a girl online and then uh, just leaving my girlfriend. Why did he suffer from depression? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. Um, I I don't have a whole lot of uh, talk with him and that that's uh, I never really asked that question too much uh, I think it's important was he depressed when your girlfriend met him she she indicates that he was not and that uh, he hid the um, Tourette's and the and uh, that from her and um, he she, she, her story is that he uh, developed depression as as they were together, or at least expressed it or exhibited signs of depression as their marriage went on for, uh, I think, sixteen years. So, she watched him in a sense getting depressed over these sixteen years. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I mean, she does have some kind of responsibility as the guy's partner to try and work everything she can to pull him out of that, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And, um, you know, according to her, she did try. And to, But she doesn't know or hasn't expressed to you why he became depressed. No, no, I, I haven't. I didn't. I mean, so uh, to be, my mother suffers from depression. And uh, up until I've started listening to you, I, I kind of thought, oh, that's, you know, just uh, what, what happens when you, you you're either born and you get depressed, you know, you exhibit those signs of depression or not. And never really thought to ask that question up until um, now, actually. And how old was his daughter when he left? She was um, 12, I believe. 
In fact, he left on her 12th birthday. What? No. Yeah, it was... No, 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 no. Please. (laughs) I'm I'm going to need to rewind and erase on that one. He busted up the family and rage quit the marriage on her birthday? Yeah, that's absolutely right. She, um... She won't. Maybe he was depressed because he was an intergalactic asshole. Maybe he just looked in the mirror every day and thought, like, holy shit, I'm an asshole. That that very well could be. In which case, why did she marry him? I don't know. What's her contact? how, How long ago did this happen? Uh, so it'd be about 12 or 13, maybe 14 years ago. Oh, so she's a full-on adult now, right? Yeah, she just graduated from college not too long ago. And what was her relationship like with her dad in her teens? Oh, she, uh, since he left, she's hated him. She, you know, there was no visitation. She, she maintained um, friendliness and never really confronted him about how much she did not like him because of that. I, I'm, I'm sure there was a, at least, I would assume there was some kind of confrontation, but uh, it wouldn't. It, she's a pretty passive person, and uh, she never. She still maintains, um, you know, a passing friendliness with him. So she doesn't hate him quite as much anymore. I don't know if that's the case. I I would say for sure she doesn't openly hate him to his face. But I I think if you were to push her hard enough, she would say that, yeah, she hates him. And how does she feel about her mother who chose him to be her father? Well, that's no, <laughs> no. That's I'm, no. I'm sure. Sorry, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm sure that that if if you asked her anything like that, she would um, put all of the blame on the father, which is unfair, right? Yes. Now, because. You know, you're in this family structure where the man is getting blamed for everything. So you might want to watch your back or confront that as a bit of an illusion. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I totally agree. Um, She and I, our, our relationship has had its ups and downs and, uh, we're um, both working on being more rational people. So how old is your son? He's going to be 12 soon. And when did he develop these ticks? He's since probably five or six. And was there anything that was happening in his life that was unusual when he was five or six? Uh, 
Um, nothing that stands out. Um, he was, we did spank him for things up until about uh, seven or so. Um, and that was, I, I believe around five or six, uh, we decided that spankings would only occur for lying. For lying, okay, go on. And, and well, since then, we've completely ruled that out and um, we've uh, ruled out uh, any, uh, we've really cut back on the amount of yelling that happens. Um, my girlfriend and I both had pretty uh, uh, violent childhood children, childhoods too. And I'm sorry to hear that for sure. Did does your has your son heard or does he have any intimation of the fact that the his stepsister's father is blamed for the marriage ending? Yeah, I would say so. I would I would believe that he's he's a pretty bright kid, and I don't think he's ever been told directly. But I he's figured I'm it out. Sure right? that, yeah. Okay, so you need to, in my humble opinion, you need to sit down and apologize for that, because if he's growing up in an environment where women have no agency, are always victims, and anything bad that happens is always the man's fault. Well, that's a lie, right? I mean, it's kind of funny that you guys would spank him for lying, but there's a lie that's floating around him that's pretty intense, right? Yeah, that's, uh, yes. It's not It's not all the guy's fault. I mean, it's, not, it's never all the guy's fault. I mean, the woman chose to marry him. She chose to stay with him for what? You said 16 years or something like that? She chose to have a kid with him, and the idea that it's all just the man's fault... That's pretty toxic for a, a little boy to grow up with, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to kill your bloodline because he's going to be like, he's going to be too terrified to to get married. And uh, my girlfriend also has a, a a son from the same father. The the oh, the guy who left with, uh, older or younger than the, the daughter. He's younger. He's um, going to be he's he's eighteen or. Uh, yeah, I think he's 18. Right. How's his dating life gone? That's non-existent. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, blaming blaming men. And no, I called the guy an asshole, and he was an asshole for leaving on, on the birthday. That's that's totally wrong. But, you know, the meta story is, okay, well, there's, it takes two to tango, and... and you can't just dump the blame onto somebody else because you're still there by choice, right? I've um, I've I've kind of pushed that uh, about, and and I think she gets it, but um, she's a very stubborn person. I I don't I've never heard anything. Uh, you know, even close to an apology for anything that oh, may from have... her. Uh, and you. Know... Sorry. So, so you mean you've never heard her apologize for anything? 
Oh, no, she'll she'll apologize for some things, but I don't think that she's apologized to any of her children for marrying their father. Right. Because, I mean, certainly after a decade and a half plus, there's no way that who he is is entirely unrelated to who she was. And if she takes no responsibility for anything negative that happened in that relationship, then that's pretty exhausting for him, right? Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I uh, I had a girlfriend. Oh, I had me a woman way across town. She's good to me. I had a girlfriend who, I mean, it's the classic thing, right? Like, if I raise my voice at her, and I'm not a yeller, right? But if I would raise my voice out of frustration or anger with her, it would be like, oh, that's terrible. You you can't do that, right? But then, of course, if she would raise her voice at me, what what would the explanation be? You deserved it. Well, I made her do it, right? Because I, you know, there's no other way to get through to me if I won't listen other than raising my voice. So it's the fact that I won't listen or or not agreeing with her that causes her to raise her voice. So you see, if I raise my voice, it's my fault. If she raises her voice, it's my fault, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's not, no. (laughs) Absolutely, that, 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 no thank you. No thanks, right? Because... That's really, uh, if, you're, if you're with people who can't admit fault, who can't have self-ownership, then the problem is for your sons, I guess son and stepson, what's going to happen is there'll be nothing about a woman to love. Because if a woman <clears throat> doesn't have agency, if she's always a victim, then she cannot achieve virtue, right? Because she's a victim. She doesn't have agency. She, the, the, the world acts upon her. You know, like a rock in the middle of the road just sits there until the car drives over it or somebody moves it away. Or I guess the wind or whatever, right? But it doesn't have any movement of its own. And it just, because it doesn't have any movement of its own, it doesn't have free, any free will of its own, doesn't have any choice of its own. Therefore, you can't hold the rock responsible for where it lands, but you also can't hold it as heroic for, you know, breaking itself in two to avoid hitting a child or something like that. And so if a woman has no agency in a, in a young man's environment, in a child's environment, if the woman has no agency and the blame is always on someone else, then it strips him of the capacity to love a woman. Because love is our response, it's our emotional response to virtue. But virtue requires choice and agency. You can't be both passive and virtuous. You can't be both a victim and virtuous. They're the opposites of each other. And you're... So if the women of the females in his life are victims without agency, and he can't break that as a pattern, then he really can't fall in love with a woman because he can't even really conceive. It's like saying, can you love a robot or a computer? Well, they don't have agency and they don't make choices. So no, you can't. And so, you know, like the Lars and the real girl sex doll stuff, you know, like a man who claims to love a sex doll is considered weird because the sex doll has no free will and no choice. And if a woman turns herself into an inanimate, acted-upon, non-agent human being, then it's going to be really, really tough for your son or sons to find a woman to love because they're all victims with no agency and they don't generate the kind of choices and virtues that would cause you to fall in love with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. 
So I'm afraid you're going to need to inflict the joys and terrors of free will on your girlfriend in order to save your sons. Yeah, and, and I've, I've, you know, we, like I said, we've, we've had some discussions about how, you know, um, I've never, I don't think I've gone quite far as far as saying that, you know, she has some, uh, some amount of responsibility in the breakup, but I have um, indicated that I've, I've, I've mentioned it in other situations and uh, we've, we've uh, it's 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 come along a little bit she can accept that it's not always um only the man's fault in most situations i think we're we're working towards um being able to say that it was at all her fault well you know fault is a, is one of these trigger words but do you have some responsibility in the matter right exactly i mean i i wasn't a victim even in being deplatformed I had some responsibility in the matter, without a doubt. I made choices. I knew those choices were risky. I felt they were worth it, and I don't regret them. So even with something like that, and it was unjust, and it was wrong and immoral, but uh, I would say a complete victim. Good Lord, no. I could I could have just done celebrity videos and <laughs> wouldn't have been deplatformed at all. Right? It's just choices and, and consequences. So... Now, she's going to resist doing this because she's, you know, obviously got a lot of coinage and she, she, the people who, who play the victim have uh, generally a very bad conscience. And I'm not saying she's done terrible things or anything like that. But people who play the victim in general have a bad conscience because if they take ownership, then their conscience haunts them, right? Their conscience, it's like opening the door, like you, you get some pounding on the door in the middle of the night and you see blood and oatmeal coming on from under the door. You don't open the damn door, right? So... When they take free will, they get a pounding on the door of their mind, the house of their mind in the middle of the night, and there's blood and oatmeal coming from under the door, maybe an eyeball or something, right? And so they don't want to open the door, right? And that's why people resist um, taking responsibility, because taking responsibility means giving the conscience, your conscience power over you, and if people have a bad conscience, they resist taking responsibility. And uh, she's got, of course, the perfect victim story, too, because... You know, I mean, I wouldn't say I fell for it, but I was there, too, because she's got this uh, victim story, which was my 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 husband. He left me. Uh, he left us. It was her daughter's 12th birthday. And I was like, oh, my God, he's a jerk. Right. And, you know, everybody kind of steps over. OK, well, why was he so angry that he would do something so vile? And again, that doesn't mean he doesn't have responsibility. But, you know, again, there's something there's stuff that led up to this. Right. And uh, if she's not going to want to do it, obviously, because she doesn't want to surrender herself to her own conscience, right? Because the moment you say, I'm responsible, I, I made choices and I have agency in life and I have agency in the world and I have agency in some matter where I perceive myself to be a victim. The moment you do that, oh, yeah. I mean, it gives you great power, but with that great power comes great responsibility and she's not going to want to do it. And I think, you know, the only answer to that is, well, but it's mostly for your kids, right? It's mostly for your sons and your daughter too. Because didn't you say the daughter was passive? Uh, yeah, she is. Yes. Dude, can you stop bouncing around? Like, what the hell are you doing with your microphone? Are you dribbling it in a, in a tackle box or something? It actually was. You, uh, have, you have one thing uh, to do on this show, which is to not make a lot of background noise and make my post-production job difficult. And I would appreciate it if you wouldn't mind doing that. Because, you know, I'm giving you time here for free. And all I'm asking is for a little consideration with the background noise. I don't think it'll kill you. 
So she's passive, and that, of course, would reflect what's going on with her mom, right? Because her mom uh, is is passive and a victim, and therefore that's transmitting down to the daughter. So you say, well, you got to take on this responsibility because you got to model it for your kids, right? Uh, otherwise, they're going to end up in similar or perhaps even worse situations. It's a, right. it's a love. I, I wonder. It's a love, um, it's, a, it's a love question, right? Do you love your kids enough to take responsibility for your actions, right? Right, right. I, I, her other issue is um, the the daughter's issue of, is is um, about leaving the house, or not necessarily leaving the house, but um, she she has a lot of anxiety about um, just interacting with pretty much anyone. Go on. Like leaving to go to the store. Uh, is is kind of a is kind of an issue for her. Um, uh, that her uh, actually they're married or they're yes they're married now. Uh, her husband um, was hit by a golf cart at the apartment that they live at, and it's turning to be that they're not wanting to pay and stuff. And she's he's in the military and doesn't have a whole lot of time to deal with this thing. And she's not willing to um, confront the people. I guess it's basically the same issue that I said. It's non-confrontational. Hmm. I I guess he didn't have disability insurance or anything. Um, who had dis- didn't husband, have disability? Right? You said he got hit by a golf cart. Wouldn't he have some disability insurance? Oh, the 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 daughter is married, and she lives with her husband in another state. And their car got hit by a golf cart that was owned by the apartment complex, and it was. Uh, and now the apartment complex doesn't want to pay, and so they they're having their no no no. I understand that. I understand that. So he got some kind of injury, right? Oh, is it? Just, oh, it's just the car that got injured, like not him. Yeah, just the car. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So why is the husband dumping this on his anxiety-ridden wife? I mean, he's in the military. I assume he's okay with this kind of confrontation. Yeah, uh, it's just that he. Doesn't have a whole lot of uh, time during the day. Oh, come on, man. Like come on. <laughs> now, he doesn't have agency either. I mean, well, he just doesn't have time. Of course he's got time. Everyone's got time. He can call over lunch. You get a 15-minute break. You can make a phone call. You can send an email. I mean, come on. Yes, you're, you're right. Uh, I'm seeing it from the point of view of, you know, she... All she does at the moment, she doesn't have a job, and um, so she's has all the time in the world to do this. Well, she's, but she's socially anxious, right? Right. Right. Did he know that when he married her, or was she hiding Absolutely. that like Tourette's? No, no. Okay, no, so she, he knows that she's socially aware. anxious. So why the hell is he having her do this? Now, maybe if she takes therapy or does something like that, or, you know, I can chat with her if she thinks it'll help. I'm sure it will. But... If, if your wife is socially anxious, then putting her on the path to confrontation is guaranteed lose. Like, just don't bother pursuing it because this is a guaranteed lose because they can sniff out the fact that she's unsupported by her husband. They can sniff out the fact that she's socially anxious. They can sniff out the fact that they're not in any danger. They know that, right? 
Right. I, I think that um, my girlfriend kind of pushed her to take care of it. I really don't know what role the husband had to push her towards taking care of it. I know that my girlfriend was giving her a little nudge to take care of it and she couldn't take care of it. But Okay, so she's, I mean, this is a practical thing, right? So if she's not taking care of it, then... I guess everyone's just, what, getting mad at her now? That's just like, you're supposed to do it. You've got nothing else to do. This is one your one job. Is this what's happening now? People are just humiliating her because, you know, especially your, your girlfriend, right? Your girlfriend raised this girl. And so if, you, if this girl can't confront and is socially anxious, being humiliated by the mother that implanted that mess in her in the first place is scarcely fair, I'm, right? I am certain that she's not humiliating her Um she talked about it to me and didn't, you know, uh, tried to get me to understand that she's socially anxious and that she couldn't do it. If anything, you know, after hearing the story from her about this, from my girlfriend, when I heard the story from my girlfriend about this, I, I personally thought that she should have took, taken care of it. But who's talking to the husband and saying, look, this is not her thing, man. She's socially anxious. So. What are you doing? Oh, I don't have time. I'm like, yes, you do. Come on. Well, she doesn't work. It's like, yeah, but it's not her thing. Listen, women are hardwired to bond with babies, no going to fight to legal battles. It's not their major thing for the most part, right? Right, right. But to be fair, I, I have no um, reason to believe that he's at all upset that she can't take care of it. What? He's not upset no reason that his to... wife is not taking care of this legal matter? Yes, I have no reason to believe that the husband is upset that she's not taking care of this legal matter. What I, what I was trying to say was that, you know, working on this issue with her mother could lead her to more confidence and it would have helped in this particular instance, I think. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough victims are always liars and i don't mean that your girlfriend is a liar in general i just mean with regards to this particular issue with this particular issue victims are liars because they claim to have no responsibility but they clearly do and, and in particular they have responsibility because women choose men in our culture any reasonably attractive woman has any number of men that she can date and women choose men in this culture now i mean if we were in some other culture where women were assigned their husbands uh, or whatever it is right that would be a different matter but this is not so women get the privilege right women uh, uh men propose women dispose women have the privilege of having a dozen men kneeling before them willing to date them maybe more than a dozen could be any number it's a big number and this has been the case throughout human history, right? As you know, 80% of women throughout history reproduce, but only 40% of men. So women choose. They have the foundational power. It's the most powerful thing in all of society is choosing a mate. Choosing a mate is choosing the future. Choosing a mate is choosing the personalities of your children. Choosing a mate is choosing the intelligence of your children. There is no greater power in the world 
than choosing a mate. And you know what it's like for men. We just keep asking until someone says yes, then cling desperately to that person in many ways, right? Whereas women, Absolutely. you and I can't even conceive, we can't conceive of what it's like to be a reasonably attractive to young women. Like you and I could become masters of time, space, and dimension, control the lightning and make earthquakes happen with a shake of our rusty balls, right? We could get all of that and we still wouldn't have one-tenth of one percent of the power that the average young woman has in society because men are beating a path to her door. Men are begging her, you know, that they're, they're doing anything, they're doing tricks, they're, they're making money, they're shaving their chest, <laughs> you know, they're trimming their pubes, whatever, whatever you can do to get a yes from a young woman. You and I, we have no clue what that's like because we're disposable sperm bots, right? I mean, it's, we just don't have, you know, maybe Brad Pitt has a sense of that power or whatever, right? But, but we men, we don't have a clue what it's like. Let me ask you this. And, and you know, hit me, hit me uh, if you're a man listening into this, right? Got a bunch of people listening, right? So if you're a man listening to this, hit me with a why. Hit me with a why if women asked you out when you were younger, or maybe now if you're young too, right? When, when you were single, did women ask you out? If, it, if it's a yes, please let me know. Did women ask you out? And not did they indicate that they'd be willing to go out with you, but did they directly ask you out for a date? Hit me with a why. We got one. I, I, I had one woman ask me out. One once. woman ask you out, okay. Once, okay. And for those who give me a why, give me a number. How many times oh, were number, you asked out? <laughs> the, how about the uh, attractiveness number of the of the girl who asked me out? That was no, no. I, mean, I get that. I get that for sure. You were asked out once. Maybe it's changed since I was a, a teenager. Once, maybe twice. No, dating. It has to be face to face. Dating app is too easy to bypass the pain of rejection, right? Okay, so we've got one, maybe two, a couple of fours. Well, one four, one five. Okay. So this is your entire youth, right? You got asked out once or twice, okay? And for women, it's dozens of times. Sometimes it's dozens of times a month. We, we, don't, li we don't know what it's like to have... I mean, can you imagine what it's like to have like... 20 women who want to ask you to the prom and they're all fighting over each other and they're all just like trying to impress you. And, you know, we, we, have no, we have no clue what that's like. I mean, it's really important to understand that, right? We have no clue what that's like. But it's important to, to, to imagine that. Just imagine, imagine that there's a prom coming up, there's, there's something coming up in school, a high school prom or a junior high school prom, and there are like 20 girls all fighting over asking you out. That, it did happen to me once. There were, there were two girls, very attractive girls, who, were, who both wanted to date me. And it doesn't, yeah, that, that happened once in my life. I still had to ask them out, but that was the situation. So we can't imagine. We can't imagine women going out, working three jobs for a year to buy a car to impress us so that we would go out with them. We have no idea. 
We have no idea what it's like to have a woman come to our house and wait for half an hour to an hour while we finish getting ready and then coming down and her giving us some flowers and remarking how wonderful we look and not complaining at all about us being half an hour or an hour late. Like we just don't have a clue what that's like. We just don't know. So once we understand the unbelievable power that women have to shape the future, they shape the future more than any technologist or capitalist ever could because women choose the next generation. They literally choose the next generation. Yeah, girls give hints. Yeah, they'll give hints for sure. They may say to a friend, to a friend, to a friend, say that, you know, I like him, or they may toss their hair or, you know, stick around while you chat, or they may come and watch, uh, watch you play sports. I mean, yeah, for sure. So when we truly understand as men, which is really tough for us to do, because we're, we're in pursuit, right? We know what it's like to be the hunter, not the, <laughs> the deer, so to speak. So if you were to just wake up tomorrow to understand that, it, that if, if you got upset, people would give you stuff, just, just give you stuff. And in any conflict with anybody else, people would just automatically take your side. And politicians would just cater to your every whim. We don't know what that's like. But as men, we don't know. We can vaguely imagine it, but we simply don't know what it's like. There's somebody saying, uh, single mothers and women in their 30s are the ones who've asked me out the most. For sure, yeah, but that's because the imbalance has changed and the supply and demand has changed, right? The supply and demand has changed. So, so for women... And I, I mean, I get why they do it, of course, right? Because we're just so habituated to defer to women, right? Which is, I don't like. I, I simply don't like it. I understand why people do it. I really do. And I understand why some women think that's vaguely attractive or whatever. But we don't understand how much power women have. The women, in many ways, run the world, right? The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And we don't know what it's like to snap our fingers and have 20 women come running. We just don't know. Can you imagine if you said, um, oh, I need to move my house this weekend and like 20 women are just fighting to come and help you? <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine if, if you have, uh, you know, you just, your, your, your sink is, is leaking and you just mention it and then like 10 women show up to fix it? Or your, your car needs an oil change and 10 women show up to fix it? Or you're having trouble with your computer and 10 women show up to fix your computer? Like, can you imagine that as a man? <laughs> Do you understand? Like, we don't know what that's like. We don't have a clue what that's like. I mean, I've told, <laughs> I told this story before, but when I was in junior high school, this girl, I still remember her name, this girl... We were having a math test, and she, she said, oh, do you have an extra pencil? Of course I do. You're pretty. Absolutely, I have, a, <laughs> I have an extra pencil. <laughs> Did I? No. What was I going to do, chew the end of my finger and write the equations in my own blood? 
That's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. Uh, this woman says, laugh out loud. I just had a guy last night offer to help me put my furniture together. Is that what the kids are calling it these days? <laughs> yeah, I can help you bolt your couch together. What does that mean exactly? Probably something illegal in Dakota. Break your pencil in half. No, because that's to indicate I'm not full of pencils slash resources as a young virile man or boy at that point, right? Yeah. Can you imagine you order something from Ikea and, and you get 10 girls show up to put it together for you? I mean, not even to help you put it together, but just put it together for you. Or you say, ah, I'm, not really, I'm not really happy with the color in this room. I, I might paint. And then like the next day, 10 girls show up with, with paint swatches and paint brushes to just help you paint. Like, we don't know. We have no clue <laughs> what it's like. We have no clue what it's like. Oh, and by the way, I, uh, I went to ask the teacher for a pencil. <laughs> That's all I could do, right? So we don't know. So, yeah, didn't Trump offer to take a woman furniture shopping? Yeah, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Um, a, you're a guy and you're like, ah, you know, I don't really have that much furniture. And 10 girls are like, I'll take your furniture shopping and pay for the furniture. Like, we don't know. We don't know what it's like. We don't know what it's like. We just don't know. We don't know. <sighs> just don't have a clue. Or even if you're in a relationship with a girl, do you have a lot of female friends just hanging around, waiting out the marriage or waiting out the, the date, the dating situation, waiting out the boyfriend-girlfriend thing? I, hey, I'm just, I'm just friends, you know? We're in the friend zone. I'm totally happy, not interested in you at all, just waiting to pounce, right? You don't, you don't know. You don't know. You and I, we don't know. And, you know, I was a pretty attractive young man and all that, and... But holy crap, we don't know. So this is a funny thing, right? So when women play the victim later, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, what it's like. That is a great song. That is a great song. Some great lyrics in that. So what it's like to have to lose. So... When women say, oh, man, you know, he just became this or he, I had no idea and I'm helpless and it's all his fault. It's like, no, you're not. I was there, man. I was there. I know. I remember. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I'm like, oh, this is a bad thing and it shouldn't be this way. I get why it's this way. I get, I mean, all of the, all you watch these David Attenborough shows and in between him saying the planet is about to explode and, and the TV that you're running this on is slowly strangling a polar bear club, a cub, right? In between all of that, he's showing these videos of these birds puffing, these male birds puffing out their necks and clearing a clearing in the forest so that their colors pop more and doing these crazy dances and chirps. And then these women just come along like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's a lot of work. I mean, you look at the size of a peacock, male peacock's ass feathers. And the females are like, wow, that must be a real drag to carry around. Boy, that's going to get you eaten a whole lot more than me. Yeah, maybe. I mean, males are, we're pathetic, greedy, needy cocks. That's just the way nature, that stimulates us getting out of the caves and advancing. And right, they, they came up with labor-saving devices for women before they came up with life-saving devices for men. Right, you got washing machines before you got masks for miners, male miners getting black lung. So... Hey, man, that's the way it is. Women have 
staggering ultimate power. They shape the next generation. They choose who's going to be here in the future. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine, but don't fucking tell me that you're a victim. That's all. Like, with all of that power, don't just blanch Dubai yourselves, fold into a corner and say, he just changed. I couldn't have known. Come on. <laughs> women have uh, women who've evolved for, like, females have evolved for four billion freaking years, okay? Females have evolved for four freaking billion years with one job. And that one job is to figure out the fitness of the men they bang. That's it, man. That's it. That's all their job is. Man's job, provide resources. Woman's job, figure out the quality of the man who bangs her. There's no evolution if they don't at all. You understand that this giant brain that we have is the result of women choosing smarter men to have sex with for a couple of hundred thousand years, particularly in Siberia and Europe, right? That's it. So the only reason we're able to have these conversations and this language and abstract discussions and philosophy and technology is because women chose smarter men. And I talked about this uh, with somebody way back in the day. For 700 years, Jewish women have been choosing the smartest Jewish men, which has given them a third of an IQ point every generation for 700 years. Women are absolute, complete, and total experts at figuring out Who's a good daddy bang? That, that's their job. That's, that's what nature has programmed them to do. That's the only reason any evolution has ever occurred. That's the only reason that peacocks have these giant-ass tails as males, right? Because the females like the giant-ass tails because it signifies reproductive fitness and strength. So... If the one job that evolution has programmed women to do, they say, well, I just had no way of knowing. No, of course you did. Of, of course you did. That's literally like a man, literally, 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 like a man marrying a woman he thinks is 20 and says, turned out she was 50. <laughs> I had no way of knowing that. I mean, she just changed. One, one moment she was 20, next moment she was 50. You can't explain that. She changed. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <sighs> now explain why black women choose the worst men. Do they? Yeah, I mean, I, I, certainly that seems to be the rumor. Well, I mean, they don't have to because they don't have to choose the better men because, the, you know, everyone else is forced to pay for their kids through the welfare state, right? So... Sorry for the long speech, but man, I, I, I just got to shake you guys out of this cuck stupor. And listen, I've been in it for many years. I, I understand I'm not, uh, I'm not um, complaining. Uh, I'm not trying to humiliate anyone, but you just got to shake that off, right? Just got to shake this stuff off. Jewish women won't date non-Jewish men, in my experience. Yeah, you know, that's something I didn't know when I was younger. It just, just kind of escaped me because I liked a couple of Jewish girls and they liked the guys I couldn't quite figure out until later somebody said, oh, yeah, but the guy she likes is Jewish. It's like, what, she won't date me because I'm not Jewish? It's like, well, you know, she might date you for a little practice. But when it comes to settling down, she says, well, why is that? She says, well, you know, her parents have told her that if she doesn't marry a Jewish man, she's keeping the work of Hitler going. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty pretty intense argument. So, so yeah, I mean, 
I get why women... You see, the fact that women can play the victim is just another example of their power, right? Because if men try to play the victim, nobody cares. In fact, you just get laughed at and stepped on, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? So it's the fact that women can say, oh, I just had no way of knowing, even though he had a swastika tattooed on his uh, forehead and, and hadn't worked in 12 years and had, you know, four different children by four different girls. I had no way of knowing he wasn't a suitable mate, right? The fact that they can say that is part of their power. The fact that people don't call on them and say, oh, shit, right? Come on, you got one job in evolution, which is to pick a suitable mate for your children, and if you say you have no clue how to do that, that's exactly like a man saying, well, I had no clue whether the girl was fertile or not. I had no clue. No clue. No clue. I thought she was 25. Turns out she was 80. How am I supposed to know? It's like nature has evolved for us to know. That, that's exactly how nature has evolved for us to know. So look for fertility symbols, right? Or fertility uh, markers, I suppose you could say, right? Fertility markers. So even the fact that women can, can get away with claiming to be a victim is just another example of their power. So anyway, I just wanted to sort of mention that, that uh, whenever a woman claims to be a victim, uh, it's like, yeah, you've got the power to do that because men don't have the power to claim to be victims, right? Uh, whoever, uh, whoever is automatically considered right in any conflict has the real power in society. It's really, really important to understand. Whoever is automatically considered right in any conflict has the real power in society, which is why you know it's not white males. All right. Um, I think I'm going to close things up in two and a quarter hours, but I really do appreciate the questions and love you guys to death. Thank you so much for dropping by. It's always such a great pleasure to chat with you guys. I'm eternally honored and uh, I've got some feedback, which people in Europe would like a call-in show that actually works with their time zone. And I appreciate that. We will work that out. And I'm sorry for excluding you. But uh, you all did start World War II, so uh, I'm still half and half about that. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. And freedomain.com forward slash donate. If you'd like to help out, you kind of know I deserve it. You kind of know that I need it. And I would certainly, certainly appreciate it. All right, lots of love from here. freedomain.com forward slash donate. Have a great, great evening. I'll talk to you soon, brothers and sisters. Take care.